0: Lorenzo, what was it like growing up in your home country and where, where is your home country?
1: I'm from Hong Kong, Pakistan. Yeah, I'm from Hong Kong. And in Hong Kong, you see, I'm not exactly originated from China. I'm more of a third culture kid, is what they're called these days. They're basically people whose parents come from a different country who migrate to another different country and then you're born there. And then a lot of these third culture kids, maybe they're their parents are diplomats or they're like people who travel around the world a lot. So they move around different countries all around the world. But for me, no, we're we're more middle class than most of these so-called third culture kids. So what we do, we just stayed in Hong Kong all our lives. Growing up in primary school was a bit tricky because I was one of the only mixed kids there, because I'm Chinese Filipino. I was one of the only mixed people there and my Cantonese, was not up to par, so sometimes I would get made fun of. A lot of times I didn't really get included in their conversations, so by the time I hit like secondary school, where I was a bit more international, I was still a bit socially awkward. It took me some time to adapt. Yeah, That was me growing up, but otherwise it was kind of enjoyable for the few friends that I did have. Like, obviously I would play a lot of computer games, mm-hmm. like like any ordinary child. I did do have Pokemon. I mean Hong Kong is a bit whitewashed, I suppose. So yeah, we have a lot of Western influences. It's not everything eating with chopsticks or just saying Ni hao ma or just like doing that kind of stuff all day. No. Like my family were pretty westernized I suppose. We speak English at home.
0: Yep. Now how about your parents' experience mm-hmm. living there? Was it similar to yours? Or were they able to get along with everyone there a little bit better.
1: Well, my dad he got a job opportunity at a law firm, as like maybe a junior law partner back when he was in the Philippines. So when he migrated to Hong Kong he already had like a good base to touch down with and well although his cantonese even up till now is very subpar, for the like we call him expatriate or international community in Hong Kong, he's He's doing pretty well. He has a lot of friends right now. He has his own law practice. Like it's it's just him by himself getting his some Indian clients. He's adapted quite well, but on the s- more social aspects with locals, I mean, it's very hard to integrate in Hong Kong because the language barrier is very deep. Let's say if your first language is Spanish or English, Chinese is the hardest language to learn. Actually, just in terms of how different it is grammatically and all that, it's and just a I learned it. Yeah, Yeah, it was really hard, like even me, brought up from the beginning in a local environment, it was kind of hard to adapt. My mom on the other hand, I mean yeah, she started working in a more local firm, like it's an international logistics firm called Crown. She worked worked in a branch in Hong Kong and she adapted a bit better because a lot of her colleagues were local and a lot of her colleagues were international and the work culture there was pretty nice, so she speaks pretty good Cantonese now. Yeah. And that's my mom's experience.
0: I, I spent a summer interning in Beijing, and it was okay. one of just language-wise, I could only eat at like places that had pictures of food because they would have yeah. no clue what the heck I was saying. Uh, so, how about you, Richie? Where'd you grow up? What was it like growing up there?
2: Oh, I'm from Venezuela, from Caracas, the capital. And growing up in Caracas is quite uh, an interesting experience, you could say because in the last 15, 18 years, my country has has underwent through huge changes because of the government. Like we passed from being a right-wing country to a more socialist with the whole Hugo Chavez thing. I don't know if you know about him. A little bit, yeah. Well, basically since I was born on nineteen ninety six and Hugo Chavez got into power in nineteen ninety nine. And since then I've basically seen the transition So since I was born I've seen how this socialist model has defined my life in this in my country. Que, sorry, I can't speak Spanish. <laughs> basically that so I've seen how the socialist model that they try to do basically took my country to the roots, so there's no soft way of putting it, so like, uh, it, was, it was hard, I mean, because I, I don't know if it's a really South American thing, but I'm really, really attached to my country, I feel like, so it's, like it's basically my home, and I think that because of my country, I am the way I am, so. It was because of my country and my whole, and everything, my culture, that I am the way I am today. And I just hate the idea that it's so messed up nowadays. I mean,
0: I don't know, it's kind of hard to express. So, so you're studying in Pamplona now. Yeah. Um, kind of, how did you make that decision leaving the country or picking which country you want to study in? Yeah. Did it happen, you know? I don't know what the college system is like in Venezuela, but is it something you were avoiding that because of all the socialist type stuff that's going on? Or? Yeah, basically, I
2: my family, I was going to leave anyways. That yeah. so There was no scenario where I was staying. So my family didn't want me. Because living in Caracas, also because of the insecurity that we have, the crime rate Caracas is the most dangerous city in the world. And because of that, you kind of live in this little bubble and you don't go out of it. So it's the only way to live in a city like that. You close yourself into a bubble and just everything, you block all of the noise outside. So it's kind of how you make living in a city like that bearable. So you have to, you, you close yourself into this little social circle where you just avoid all of the nasty stuff that happens all the time. And yeah, basically I... I applied to this, I took my SATs as well, and uh, I considered going to the States, but it turns out that I am also French. I forgot to mention that. I, my mom's side of the family, it's, my grandparents are French. So I have a French password. And I, after I graduated, I decided, my family persuaded me to go to France take a year before I decided what I wanted to do and study French so I went to this little city in the south of France called Montpellier and I spent a whole year there I learned how to speak French and I traveled through Europe and I realized that I loved European culture I thought that it was I could take more advantage of it to the whole experience of living in Europe I think would I thought it would be more like um, it would benefit me in more ways than if I went to study in the States.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, basically because of how many cultures you get to meet, how many people from different o'clock so like in a way you grow as a person because of it, I think. And yeah, I decided I decided to apply to Spain. I wanna study in Spain. And I I looked at the University of Navarra, and I, I decided this is a place I wanted to come, mm-hmm. basically because of the whole idea of the university, what it stands for. The whole, I don't know. I feel like it's a really good uh, college environment. I would say, mm-hmm. yeah, great uh,
0: education too. I mean, yeah, it's one of the yeah exactly. For also, because you're studying economics, right? Yeah,
2: so it's it's one of the, the top total. universities in Europe, basically, and I think if the
0: number one in Spain.
1: It is the number one in Spain according to the latest rankings.
0: Um, So this is probably a question that is directed more towards Lorenzo. So growing up, being mixed, you you had difficulties with that. Yes. Um, Now that you're getting older, at some point in time you'll probably want to have a family. Um, Kind of, you know how your parents put put you in a situation where you would be out of place like that, you know? Do you think it was worth it?
1: Worth it to what? To be in in this,
0: in, yeah, in the sense that your parents decided to, you know, put you in a situation where um, it might not be as easy for you as other kids to get along with everyone. You know, would you ever do something like that to your kid, or do you think it would be easier to put them in a situation where everybody's more similar to you?
1: That's a very good question, actually. Myself, I've never thought of it. I just thought of what my parents did here. I mean, they met here in Hong Kong, they met in the middle in Hong Kong, they yeah. fell in love, and they gave birth to me, and then they decided that Hong Kong was the best place to be for them at the time. Yeah. And therefore, me living up there, growing up there was also a consequence of that. I mean, if I lived, for example, in an English-speaking country, or in the Philippines, or, or in like Malaysia, where my mom's originally from, although she's Chinese, like, I would have been able to fit in better. It's very true. But not being able to fit in, Fit in, yeah. Yeah, it's not exactly a bad thing either because it makes you very adaptable. When I first came here, within the first months, I became seriously popular already. Like, just not tooting my own horn or anything, but basically, I was able to integrate almost completely perfectly. Every single new group that I go to in Hong Kong, after I gained up a bit more self confidence and after I've gained up a bit more self worth. I've been able to like, just get into the group and fit in, fit view easily. I'm able to adopt to very different circumstances. It gives me a very unique perspective on life. It doesn't require me to like, take very strong, like, very either left or very right, black or white political stances. It allows me to be a bit of an observer. I mean, I love Hong Kong as well, but I can't truly get involved in the politics there. But what I can do is form very observant opinions what's going on. I can find a lot of middle ground. It's very, I mean, going up as a third culture kid, you really get to be everywhere and nowhere at the same time. It's a very nice experience. Like the best way I would call it, it's called being rooted in the winds. Mm. Like you have a ground somewhere, but this ground is always moving, mm. but you always keep yourself. That's it's very good. important not to lose it.
0: That's good. Yeah, I had a, so I'm, I'm half black, half white. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, so I, I had a s- somewhat similar experience to you where growing up, it's like you never really fit in with one group, but because of that, you have the opportunity to fit in with any group you want to. You know, it's just instead of them coming up to you and approaching you, it's you having to put yourself out there. Yes. But once you put yourself out there, it's like man, you can adopt to whatever type of group you want to be in. So I, I'm definitely with you on that point.
1: Yeah, I think people who are rooted in the wins in general, you know, it really makes them take a lot of initiative. Like for you, you for example, you made a mixed ball, and it really requires you to go up to people you barely know and ask them if you want to sit down with an ice cream for them. And for me, I did have a lot of initiative as well. Like, I did take up a lot of leadership positions in school in my senior years. like some Like chairpersons of certain organizations or being part of the student council, it does help you a lot to get places as long as you take the initiative. You're kind of forced to if you do if if you have, if you're somebody from my background. Otherwise, it's it's just going to be a, a constant nagging and a constant you know, like you're not really fulfilling yourself and you're not really fitting anywhere. So you need to you know try at least. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, so Richie, could you compare? an average day for you in Pamplona to an average day in Caracas No, oh, not even close like what just give me a like what is it like what, what would you do during an average day in Caracas and then let's say let's talk about what you would do in Pamplona because I know they're vastly different and I'm interested to hear what those differences are okay
2: I mean let's see o sea, there's no way you can compare Caracas to Pamplona in the first place okay. first of all Caracas is a huge city and Pampliones is this little town in middle of Spain. But I guess, how could I put this in words? So for starters, I never walked around Caracas or I've never taken the metro in Caracas. It's all, basically I just went through my day. I went, I was home, I went to school, I went back home. Maybe I would go, I don't know, gym, whatever, a friend's house. And that was it. You don't really, how could I put this, you don't really like go outward. It's that you always stick to a routine, basically, all the time. You always do the same plans. It's that maybe they can change a little bit, but you're always doing the same thing in the end. you get me? Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I guess that's due because
0: of all the insecurity and crime, I guess, in a way. Do you, do you think that's still that sort of routine like affects you to this day at all? Like when you're going around in Pamplona at all, are you ever like nervous at times when you're like in areas you've never been before but you have to remind yourself like this is Pamplona in (laughs) Caracas? I guess
2: you could say that
0: with motorcycles. (laughs) Mm.
2: Growing up in Caracas basically it's there's hordes of motorcycles going all the way all day in the streets. It's kind of like uh, I don't know, picture India maybe where you see all these guys in like these little skinny motorcycles around the cities well it's basically like that and there's hordes of them and <laughs> I mean most uh, let's say robbers or whatever are in the motorcycle so you get kind of you'll be really looking out for them and you'll be really nervous if they got too close to you and in a way, every time I hear a motorcycle, I can't get it out of my head. I, the first thing I do is I look towards the sound to see where it is. I can't help myself. It's just a thing that I can't avoid doing. No. Yeah. So it really, so growing up in that type of such a chaotic environment, really so that makes you think in a certain way, I guess. Yeah. So because you're, in a way, you always have like you're. You're always trying to be aware of what's happening around you, mm-hmm. in a way. I think that's one thing that I could say affected, still affects me, I'm always aware of what's going on around me because of that. Because I would always have to do that in Caracas.
0: How about, once you graduate and stuff like that, and you know, get a little bit older, would you ever want to go back to Venezuela? And maybe from a political or business standpoint, of improve the current situation there or is it something like man it's not even worth it to have my family there like i love the country but i couldn't put my family there i mean it's a tough it's a tough yeah it's a tough call no it's a uh, yeah it's completely
2: a tough call but you see in a way if if everyone just goes then that so if everyone goes and just there's no hope of, of it to ever change. I feel, in a way, responsible to me, to myself, and to my country that I, that my generation, we're the generation that has lived throughout this whole uh, socialist thing that has happened in my country. And we are the ones that are supposed to get the country back up on its feet. And, in a way, I feel responsible towards my country to go back and try and make it better. Even though it may be really hard, and it might not be, the thing is, I don't picture myself living anywhere but Caracas, so despite everything, so you, yes, it's the most dangerous city in the world, yes, or so said there's the economical crisis, the lines in the supermarkets to get food, I mean, despite all of that, that's still my home. And I, 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 I just feel like I'm really rooted in Caracas. Like, besides all of my family lives there. No, all.
0: I'm... I... Mean, no, I... It's it's a weird dynamic you yeah. have going on. It's like, that's your home, you know? That's what made me... Yeah. Me. But at the same time, it's... It's a rough home. No, yeah, well, it is. You don't always feel safe in your home, which is some. Exactly. It's, that's the
2: thing. It's, but, I don't know, I feel like... I would love to go back, but I don't know. I... There's a lot of uncertainty on that area because it really depends on what happens in the next years. Maybe there's a changing in governments by then and then I can get to go back home. But if it keeps going the way it is, maybe there's a big chance that I won't. And, yeah. But, I mean, I feel that I, I want to go back and I want to live my life there. Because yeah. I... That's my home. So even with all of its problems, that's still my home.
0: Yeah. And I, I don't picture myself living in it. Yeah. yeah. So you both, are you guys in your first year? Yeah. Yes. First year, okay. Um, so let's see, Lorenzo. It looks yeah. like you've been pretty successful your first year thus far. Thus been far. enjoying it, you know, making a lot of new friends. Yeah. How, how would you characterize your experience in Pamplona, the people? the school and in the whole, if there's, okay. a, if there's anything that kind of sticks out to you about Pamplona.
1: Open arms, yeah. that's what I would call it. It's because they're very warm and embracing here. You don't need to really work to be somebody's friends, because they just are. You don't really need to you know, dedicate so much time to people or just like be a bit fake or put on a facade. You can be completely yourself and you can still be able to thrive. And, still feel comfortable with, like, a group of friends or many group of friends here. And has been something very therapeutical compared to what I've been back home. I mean, obviously, if I stayed back home, I'd be a very different person from where I am now. I probably would have grown in different ways. The fact of the matter is, I'm here now, and I've grown in a different way. And this way has made me a bit more of an open person. It's made me a bit more of a person who really perceives deeper, not only about analytical things and, like, structures and systems but also about people and i think that's really important yeah yep
0: i uh the culture here is interesting yeah because like i like i spent a summer in china you know grew up in the us um in china some of the hardest working people i've ever seen almost to the point where it's like like you guys have fun you know it's like you go to work You go home, and even on Saturdays, sometimes you're at work, you know, and it's like there's very little playful playful, fun. Here, though, you'll have people sitting outside of a bar for three hours just talking to each other over like a a glass of wine. Changing
2: cultures is huge. Yeah, it is. So,
0: I I always say the people here are very present. It doesn't seem like they're worried about the future, they're They're not, not, you know, worried about the past, they're just here listening to you, enjoying life as a cop. Um America, depending on where you are, probably somewhere in the middle of middle, you know, people are very focused on the future, but at the same time, they like to enjoy the present. But, uh, it, it's been interesting being here for, even, I've just been here for a semester. But. Yeah. So how about you? How was, your, how was your first year? Any big takeaways? It's
2: been pretty good so far, I mean, at first, I was a little bit skeptic because I mean the change from being in a big city like Caracas and then going to this little town middle of nowhere. So well, not in the middle of nowhere, but I mean you get me. It's like a it's not what I was used to. Yeah. But I mean I it grew in I I grew into it. So I really liked my whole experience here so far. And uh, yeah, I also. I met this girl, Irish girl, so she's actually now my girlfriend. Hey, yeah. nice, good to see you,
0: man.
2: And, yeah, I, I think my whole experience here, the, the environment that the university tries to create, like this unity between its students, like for example, I could see that, especially I saw, I realized that not that long ago when I don't know if you knew about the whole Ecuador thing, the earthquake. Yeah. There was an earthquake mm-hmm. in Ecuador recently. A lot of people died. And I mean, most people just like read the news and that's it and be done with it. But And I talked a little bit with my friends back home about it, but that was it. And besides that, no one really cares that much. I mean, it's just something that happens in some corner of the world. But in our uni, I mean, there was a mass. There were was, uh, there was even a mass for it. it was, uh, and, and it's not like only... a people from Ecuador went. Yeah. It was full of people. It was I mean the the thing was packed.
0: Yeah. I'll and I
2: it <laughs> well, never mind, but yeah. I mean I j- just that I, I got to see like here people actually do good yeah. They I mean the the sense of solidarity that I think the uni tries to create. Something that's
0: really unique I would say to this to this place. Do you think that that Catholic religion influence has a, plays a big role in sort of that that solidarity that the university has, or do you think it's just a, a, a Pamplona culture, Spanish culture type?
2: Thing? I mean, I guess in a way it's because of. I mean, I don't I don't consider myself to be a very religious person. I didn't came here because it was Opus like, mm-hmm. I but I think because of some of the values the Catholic Church has in a way I think it does influence that yeah I do think so, so I don't say it's the only thing obviously it's not I, it also so people need to to believe in that sort of stuff but in a way I, yeah I guess the values the Catholic Church tries to implement in our lives influence in that area I would say
1: yeah what do you think I think it's definitely the Catholic influence. If you go to IE or any other university in Madrid or Barcelona, they're not as involved with their students as they are here. They don't have the time or the effort to be bothered. Whereas here, since it's a more private university, the professors here actually do care. The administration here, they do care. In fact, Opus days Dei, Opus way, like kind of their model or the core thing they go by is to do all things well and to dedicate what you do to God. So they want to do the thing well, so they do the Ecuador thing well. Otherwise, you know, yeah, I find that very, very promising. And I find this is one of the ways that religion can express itself in a real, true, concrete manner. Yeah. Not just like theologically or just huddled together in church. Like something like solidarity, what Richie said. It's something that's definitely much more powerful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you're both studying economics. Yeah. Why economics and what do you guys think you are want to do with it in the future once you graduate and all that? You start with Richie if you want.
2: Um, well, I've always had an interest in economics for a long time now. And I think <laughs> growing up in Venezuela, basically everyone has a little bit of a knowledge about how economic works. <laughs> it's kind of inherent to us. <laughs> Because we get to live most of the stuff that you, we study nowadays in macro, for example. I, I understood it perfectly because I literally lived through it in my country. Like, I mean, because of our crisis, our economical crisis, if you ask anyone from Minnesota, they'll tell you what the price of the oil barrel is or what the exchange rate from Bolívar is, with it, which is our national currency to the to the dollar or to the euro, they can tell you what it is. Because it affects us so much, the economical situation in our country affects us so much that we have an overdose of information, constantly getting bombarded with information about it. That you kind of, I don't know, it. you just know about it. You have to know about it, because it affects your everyday life. Mm-hmm. And I guess, yeah, maybe because of that I got such an interest into it. Yeah. I follow it closely.
0: Mm-hmm. So, how about once you graduate, you think you're more of a research type role or in economics or just kind of taking it year by year right now?
2: And right now, I wouldn't I wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. I guess it's more like a year it's by your year. First year. Yeah, it's Not my sure. first year.
1: Well, yeah. A lot of people write things in their personal statement saying why they want to study the subject. They go into the university and they completely forget what it was anyway in the first place. Me, I'm a bit like that as well. Like, I originally wanted to study economics because I just like looking at all the models and all the theories, why they don't work, how they could work, how to apply in real life. I mean, in Hong Kong, we are a capitalist country and a lot of it is dominated by the market. And we are very efficient, but at the cost of so many other things not explained by economic models. If you understand the economic model, you understand what works with it and what does not. And then you address what does not work with it.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree a lot with what you just said. I mean, I guess also I study because it helps me understand kind of the whole thing that's happening. Not even in my country, but the world as a whole. You get to have more of an insight into a country. So it makes you able to, uh, you can understand things better because of it. So you can get a more concrete perspective of what's going on somewhere because you understand what, also what it actually means when someone says hyperinflation or devaluation and that stuff. That it, it makes them,
1: gives it sense, I would say. Originally I wanted to be like a professor in a university. And then I wanted to go completely the other opposite direction, like be maybe in charge of a bit of policy making, especially in the education sector because education is something really important to me. Then recently, I joined the Case Competition Club in our school, in our college. Our team came out first place for the juniors. Congrats. Thanks. Congrats. That's yeah. big, man. It is big, yeah. yeah. We might even go internationally abroad next year. Wow, that's so yeah. awesome. And then I got a bit more inclination towards consultancy because you get to do research and to use your research to help out people in a real way at the same time. However, at the same time, consultancy, right, it's a very capitalist job. Who hires consultants? The big companies. You know, if you, and the small and medium businesses, the lifeblood of the economy, the people where most people are affected, they don't get to enjoy such benefits as a consultant. So if I were to become one, it's like I'm neglecting this very integral part. And I feel like that's not something very, uh, it's not an ethical issue. It's just something I don't feel comfortable with doing. So if I were to become a consultant, maybe I would help out charities, NGOs, and maybe inform a bit of government policy.
0: Yeah.
1: Right now, it's very unclear.
0: Yeah. And that's, you know, consulting-wise, you look at so many companies, they have these corporate social responsibility yes. and CSRs, and all these objectives. And there, there's some firms that just specialize in, you know, helping companies maximize those, their CSR goals. So that might be something for you to look into you get paid well and at the same time kind of help help out people that need it um, so running up on half an hour I usually like to make them about a half an hour the question I like to end on you talked about a lot today you guys have met tons of different people been in different parts of the world with race and culture in mind can you finish this sentence I'll never forget the time you went
1: yeah that's, that, that is a very tricky question yeah
2: Well, I think I got the answer. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Well, what's the phrase again? I'll never forget when. I'll never forget the time when. I'll never forget the time when I left Venezuela for good. That was... It was then when I realized... Until then, I didn't realize I was actually leaving for a long time. And it really hit me when I was on the plane. I thought, like, I mean, I am going away So I, I just felt so weird, so strange that I was actually leaving Venezuela to study somewhere else and live somewhere else. And who knows, maybe even uh, because of that, I will end up living somewhere else. I, I don't know. It just...
0: How would know. you describe the emote? Was it, were you nervous? Were you excited? Were you scared? <laughs> sad?
2: I guess a combination between sad and scared and also nerves. I mean it was a really a huge mix of emotions that I was having. In a way also a relief. Cause I I felt a lot of things when I was leaving. I was really confused. Because I in a way I was really cuz I was finally like I'm I'm going to a normal place. So say, I I'm not gonna Have to deal with the everyday stuff that I have to deal with when I'm in Caracas or all the things that I have to do to. Don't go away, like, don't. I don't know how to say this. Like, I was relieved that I didn't have to live in the. I put in vulgar terms, in the shit that. deal with the everyday shit that happened in Caracas. But in a way, I was also sad because, I mean, my family. I was, I, I am really close with my family. And now I get to see them twice a year. When, like on Christmas break and spring break and summer break. Yeah. And yeah. Were they supportive of you leaving? Yeah, completely, completely. You have siblings? I have one, okay. one little brother. One he's little still guy. studying in Okay. But yeah, he's probably gonna go too.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, the thing is my family doesn't want us to leave. Because you basically live like in a cage, in a way. Because you are, your my, your uh, parents in Caracas basically just create these walls to try to protect you. Mm-hmm. But in a way, these walls at the same time keep you from living your life like a normal life. Yeah. So many things that you guys would take for granted, we don't. <laughs> we know they're not for granted. Like. As simple as going for a walk, I can't do that back home. Or as simple as hey, I want, I wanna, I am going to go to a supermarket and buy some stuff. I can't do that. I mean, just so many stuff, and it's these walls that they try and create that to protect you, because they want to protect you from all the stuff that goes. And they just, in the way those walls isolate you in this little circle that I was mentioning earlier. Yeah. And yeah. Definitely when I was living in Caracas, was that moment that I would never forget. Yeah. It's just this poof. Like I was, bah, in the I face. Always, I, could,
0: I, I can't even imagine Because
2: you know that there's a chance that you're not coming back. Yeah.
0: Wow. Well, that's the thing. Thanks for sharing, thanks for yeah, sharing. Yeah, right. How about you, uh, You got one lined up?
1: Yeah. I, what was the? how do you phrase it again? I'll never forget the time when. I'll never forget the time when my student council advisor, his name was Mr. Chiu, he mentioned like a sentence that changed my life perspective forever. He said, maybe sometimes in life, you won't always be able to know if you're doing the right thing. But what you can do, Lorenzo, is you do the thing right. Basically, it was a lot of doubts I had before I came here finally in Pamplona. I was like, this is going to be a new culture. It's going to be like Caracas, like Hong Kong. It's not going to be in a big city. It's gonna have a completely different le- set of lifestyles. It's gonna have a different language. I'm more used to speaking English or Cantonese. It's gonna have a different language. And rather than you know, finally getting to settle down somewhere because you know being on the road, I liked, it, it's nice to settle down as a third culture kid. I wanted someplace to settle down. No, I'll have to adopt. Again, he said, maybe you don't know if this is gonna be the right thing for you. Coming to Pablo, you don't know if it's gonna be the right thing for you. But what you can do is do the thing right. You can go there with an open heart. You can go there with an open mind. You can go there just to see things always as much as possible in a positive light. Don't look at uh, the negative aspects of everything. You're going to meet a lot of new people from different cultures. Like, of course, we have Europeans in Hong Kong, but nowhere near as much as here. And it, it's definitely been pretty life changing. A lot of things where, like, a lot of the Spanish people where I live in the my art in my hall, they give me a hard time, like eh, hey, bruto chino, like a fucking Chinese guy. Like no, like you can either take that as something really politically incorrect and something offensive, or you can just see this as like just casual banter, and then you can respond in kind, yeah. and just like say something nasty back, and it'll be pretty nice. And in the end, it did work out for me. Like I'm not feeling depressed most of the time now. Like the culture shock here, there was an obvious shock. After the initial shot, it's not like I feel uncomfortable here. You do the thing right, and everything else will follow.
0: Thank you. Thank you guys for sitting down with me. I appreciate this right. conversation. Well. Yeah.